This is Novel Marketing, the show for novelists who aren't necessarily fond of marketing, but still want to become best-selling authors. Episode 165. I'm James L. Rubart, but you can call me Jim. I'm Thomas Umstead, Jr. And in this episode, we're going to talk to you guys about how to get book clubs to rave about you and invite you back. That means creating some resources. So we're going to go into some details on resources you can create for the book club and then things you can do as the book club is going on to have these people go, oh my gosh, we love this author. We got to do another book um, from them. So last episode, we talked about how to find the book clubs and how to get them to choose you. So if you haven't listened to episode 164, you might want to listen to that one first. And again, like I said, in this episode, we're going to try to help you guys out with making those book clubs rave about you after they finished reading your book. That's right. What you don't want is to have gone through all of the work to get a book club to feature your book only for them to have a bad experience because uh, then that word will spread and that's not the word you want uh, spreading about your book. So if you get them excited, you, you get them excited about it. Me, that means another batch of books sold in bulk. How'd you like that alliteration there, Thomas? I like it. And uh, the, uh, the the short TLDR version of this episode is if you want reading groups to enjoy talking about your book, make it easy for them to talk about your book. That's it. End of episode. <laughs> all right. We're done. Our sponsor this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. So, okay. You're like, all right, great. How do we need to make it easy for them? How do you do that? So we'll actually tell you, we have some very practical, specific things you can do to improve the quality of life of reading clubs. And the first is to add a reading group resources section to your book. Jim, you want to include discussion questions after each chapter. What? You're saying, I've never seen that in a novel. We're talking specifically about nonfiction here. If your book is nonfiction, we know we have a lot of nonfiction listeners. If your book is nonfiction, put questions at the e end of each chapter. Because a lot of times when doing a nonfiction book, you'll go through a chapter each week you meet. And so we encourage you to do that. If you are fiction, we encourage you to do it at the very back of the book. So first thing is include discussion questions um, in your book. The other advantage of this, especially for nonfiction, putting it at the end of every chapter, is that every chapter becomes a commercial for featuring this book as a book club book. So if I'm reading your book and at the end of every chapter, I'm like, ooh, that's an interesting question. I'd be curious to hear what my friends think about that question. Then the next chapter, I'm like, ooh, that's another interesting question. Oh, there's three interesting questions I want to hear. It's like, gosh, I need to create a book club just for this book. <laughs> and good books will do that. Good books actually can create their own book clubs where people are so wanting to discuss the book. You know, after the book, it's like, I just read this book and now I have questions. <laughs> it's like, I, I need to, to process this book. It's given me so many ideas. It's made me think so many thoughts. I need to find friends to discuss this book with. That's exactly what you want for your book. That's what causes more and more books to sell. And maybe the book, uh, Club is just a husband and wife who both read your book and discuss it. And those are chat questions are right there. Hey, that's a win. And th that can be valuable, right? That's double. If every married person who reads your book um, gets their spouse to read your book, suddenly we have twice as many readers. 50% increase. Another thing you can do is at the end of the book, mention in the book that you have reading club resources on your website. In other words, make it easy for them to go, oh, I, I wonder what else they have other than questions that directs them to your website and thomas what kind of resources do our authors want to have on their website 
Yeah. So there's a bunch of things you want to put on your website. And by the way, bringing people to your website is great for selling your other books, by the way. So this is another reason why you want to create this uh, resource uh, that we're talking about is that you want to give people reasons to come to your website. So um, one thing is a like a, a discussion guide. So gather all of the, if you're nonfiction, gather all of the questions that you had at the end of each chapter, put them together in a PDF. Uh, that's a, like a one page document can be really helpful. The same with the questions that are at the end of the book. Uh, if you're writing a novel, you know, create a PDF version of that. That's really pretty that can be printed off and handed out to everyone in the group. You know, that's not very much work for you, but it's saving. Think about the impact you have on the economy. If you have 100 books, 100 groups that discuss your book and you saved, you know, each one of those organizers one hour of work. You've just added two work weeks to the economy, <laughs> uh, two and a half work weeks to the economy uh, for something that may only take you two or three hours to do. And not only are you saving all of those organizers all of that time, but the end product is probably going to be higher quality uh, because you did it to be used in a bunch of different places, whereas they are doing you know as quick a job as possible uh, for their own group. Another thing I've seen Uh, authors do, especially for uh, religious books, this is getting more popular, is recording a short discussion Kickstarter video where the author of the book presents a five-minute teaching on the subject of that chapter. And the idea is that this is played, let's say it's a Bible study or something, this video is played at the beginning of the meeting to kind of kick off the discussion so that people can participate in the discussion, even if they haven't read that chapter yet. It kind of gets everyone up to speed. And this can be incredibly powerful. And there's no reason, let's say you have a secular book, there's no reason you can't steal this idea from the religious community. Just because it's done for Bible studies doesn't mean it can't be done on a business book or a parenting book. Any kind of book where people are gathering to meet, a little five-minute discussion Kickstarter can be incredibly helpful. And each one of these videos has a possibility of going viral in its own right. It's unlikely, but it's possible and uh, can bring more attention to your book that way as well. And I would upload these videos to YouTube. So you, you embed them on your website, but you have them on YouTube so that people can play them on their TV at the coffee shop or at their home or at their church or wherever. And if you're comfortably being on camera and you're not a nonfiction writer, you're a novelist, you could actually introduce each of, say, your 12 questions that you have in the back of the book. So you read the question, you talk a little bit about why you had that particular question, why you wrote that as one of the discussion questions, and then you can give your own interpretation of it. This is the answer I would give. If you had 12 of those, it makes it real easy to just click the button. The next question comes up and that will spur discussion, especially if you're willing to answer the question yourself. That will spur a lot of discussion in the book club. Especially if it's the kind of open ended question where you giving the answer is not like this is the final answer. End of discussion. (laughs) So if it's more of like, how did this make you feel kind of thing? Suddenly people hear how you feel and they go around and say how they feel. Uh, Not uh, less useful if it's more of an academic type of book uh, where it's kind of more of a homeworky type thing. You don't want to give away the the answers to the test, so to speak. Uh, But we would love to see. And if you post in our Facebook group examples of you doing this, we may feature you in a future episode or or something like that, uh, examples of you doing this. So if you've created discussion Kickstarter videos for your novel but, or nonfiction, post it to the Novel Marketing Facebook group uh, under the d- official discussion thread for this episode. Uh, other people would love to see what you've done. Another thing you can do is add a bulk book ordering feature to your website, right? So as Thomas said, they might not be going 
for a book that's on their web, your website. It might be a book they read. They go to see discussion questions and resources. They see another one of your books. And if they know they can bulk order and get a discount, it makes it much easier for them to say, hey, we got it in another three months. We got to do another one of this author's books. That's right. And if I have 20 people in my book group and I'm ordering their books bulk, giving me that discount incentivizes me. Uh, to to place that order and also makes my life a little bit easier. A, l- a lot of groups just say go buy the book on your own, but some uh, groups and some like classes, you may be surprised. Some community college may be doing a uh, discussing your book as a part of their class or something like that. Uh, having bulk ordering is really key. And if you're traditionally published, this is so easy. You just link to the bulk ordering interface of your traditional publisher. If you're indie published, it's a little more complicated. You have to be able to take that order yourself. You place the bulk order with KDB Print or Lightning Source, whoever you're using, uh, but it's still potentially worth it. And it can be significant money. It's nice to have somebody come in and order 25 copies of your book at one time, even if it is at a discount. Another thing you can do is add slides for a PowerPoint presentation, which can introduce the themes of the book. So, and in those of you who are not familiar with the term slide deck, it's simply that's a way to talk about the slides that you would put up to explain what your book's about. And you can real easily do a voiceover under that. Not hard at all. By easy, I mean you can download the program Audacity, for example, free editing software. You can just read it into your computer and then you can put that underneath a slide presentation that really makes it look professional. It's a chance for you to explore and explain the themes along with pictures and and it can make just a, a, a huge emotional impact on that club. Or it can be a slide deck that the leader of the group presents uh, themselves in their own voice. Maybe they hear you do it and then they give their own version. But the powerful thing about slide deck is it makes giving that presentation a lot easier. And I will say one thing for good slides, a mistake a lot of people make with PowerPoint is using bullet points. That's not how to use uh, PowerPoint. One idea per slide. So if you were going to have a slide with three bullet points, instead make a bullet point per slide. So just that single bullet point on its own slide is a much more effective way. I I could do a whole, we may do a whole episode on PowerPoint at some point in the future. Uh, We probably should. Uh, But that one tip will dramatically transform your uh, presentation. So it makes finding images better. It makes everything better. And it makes the images easier to read. So many advantages. And there's no cost to adding additional slides. It's not like the olden days and you had to get little slides printed and put in your slide projector. And like, gosh, got to squeeze as much as we can on a slide. PowerPoint. Unlimited slides is free. Okay, so I talked about reading on group resources in your book, reading on group resources on your website. Now let's talk about a leader's guide. This is a powerful tool specifically for the leader of the group to make leading a group discussion about your book super easy. So what do we include in the leader's guide? This is typically a PDF. It's uh, four to five pages. Sometimes it's 20 pages, if uh, depending on uh, how in-depth you go. And Jim, what are some of the things we put in that leader's guide? First thing you want to do is, again, make it very easy for them to access all the information. So you're going to put all the discussion questions from your book are going to be right there on one sheet or possibly, depending on how many questions you have, on two sheets. 
make that easy for them to access. And then we suggest you add some bonus questions that are not in the book. So, oh, wow, there's other questions here that the author didn't include in the book. That's an incentive for them to say, I got to download and at least look at what these extra questions are, which is kind of the puppy dog close, right? They're already going down the road going, ooh, I'm interested in this. I'm going to dive a little bit further. And if the bonus questions are really intriguing questions, in other words, take your time on these, that can be the thing that pushes them over the edge to say, yes, we're going to choose your book. Uh, the next thing that you will want to include is like a meeting outline with timing suggestions and assume a one hour meeting. So the common way to do this is you break the meeting up into 15 minute uh, segments. So the first 15 minutes is like maybe an icebreaker or some sort of networking or chit chat, or maybe you have a meal together or some sort of snack. And then the next 15 minutes, maybe you get, uh, you give a presentation or the leader gives a presentation of an overview, or you kind of summarize it. And then the next 15 minutes, you have these questions. And the next 15 minutes, you have some sort of closing activity or how you structure this is up to you. So don't feel like you have to put it into 15 minute segments. Maybe you have a, a big 30 minute segment. That's the heart of the meeting. That's the discussion. And then there's an intro and outro. Uh, but the idea is that you do that work. <laughs> you put together the outline for the leader. It doesn't mean they have to follow it, but starting from something is a lot easier from than starting from a blank page. So you want to solve the blank page problem for the meeting organizer. And and the reason why I'm saying one hour, while groups often meet for more than an hour, it's a lot easier for them to add time than it is for them to cut things short. Another thing you can do is you can add icebreaker, icebreaker ideas. Thomas mentioned this a second ago. Add icebreaker ideas to the topic or to the no, uh, to the novel or the nonfiction book. For example, in novels, a great icebreaker is simply take the four main protagonists and the question is, all right, if you were casting a movie, who, what actors would play these roles? People are familiar with movies, um, and they've by the time they've finished this book, they've got in their mind who this character is. And so you just share with each other, oh my gosh, this guy, it, it'd have to be Harrison Ford, or it'd have to be Ryan Gosling, or it'd have to be Emma Stone playing these characters. That can be a really fun way to get discussion going. Or if you had to have lunch with one of the characters from the book, uh, who would you have lunch with and why? I will say, as somebody who used to run a small group, uh, our format was every meeting we opened with an icebreaker, and I was desperate every meeting for finding something new to do, something fresh to do as an icebreaker uh, to break the ice. Because you always have new people coming, and not everyone remembers the names of everyone else. And so um, a good piece of the icebreaker is always to have everyone give their names. There's a reason why, Alcoholics Anonymous. Everyone gives their names every meeting, even if you've been meeting together over and over again, because not everyone is good with names. Some people are like me, and I have to hear your name one million times before I will remember <laughs> it. And it's very nice to have an icebreaker that non-awkwardly reminds me the names of everyone in the group. Because if I've been in a meeting in a group with you for two months and I've forgotten your name, asking you at that point has gotten really awkward. And don't tell me you've never felt this yourself. We all go, well, some of us go through this regularly. A good icebreaker helps alleviate that awkwardness, which is especially good if you have a group for readers, which tend to skew a little more on the uh, introverted side. I can say that because I am one. <laughs> so a good icebreaker it doesn't want to be too crazy. Don't make it too crazy, right? Because these are introverted people. So if you're an introverted author, you're ideal for creating the icebreakers. Just do some research. And again, in the Facebook group, post some of your icebreaker ideas for your book. We'd love to see them. In fact, we'd love to see your leader's guides. Post in the Facebook group uh, your leader's guide. We will give you feedback. Uh, at least the first three people, Jim and I will give you feedback on your leader's guides. But everyone else would love to see what you uh, put together. Uh, another thing, if your book is inspirational, 
maybe include some prayer points or some topics. So maybe that final 10 minutes of the meeting is a prayer time, uh, you know, get some things to pray for or uh, something like that. Um, also, something you could include is a group activity uh, that is related to the topic of your book. And this is where you have to think a little bit outside of the box. But if your book is teaching a certain thing, let's say uh, you want to have perhaps an activity where people practice the thing that you are teaching. So maybe your book is about encouragement and how to be a more encouraging people or person. Uh, you would have a group activity where everyone you know, breaks up into pairs of two and says something encouraging about another person, and then they switch that kind of activity. And again, there's a million different activities you could do based off of your topic. J- Jim, do you have any group activity ideas? Well, in novels, you, you're in your novel, they might have done something in the novel that it was a new hobby, or they tried something new, or they went somewhere new. Go way out and take your group on that activity, right? Let's say in your book, one of your main characters is into photography, is a professional photographer. Well, why not have your group say, all right, just for fun, guys, between now and the next time we meet, we're going to go out and try to take the best picture we can. And then we're going to come back and share those photos with each other. It's not a competition. It's just fun. It's just exploring the world to a greater degree by taking something that's done in the novel and actually doing it in real life. Another thing you might consider is putting in food ideas for a snack or even a meal at the beginning of the meeting. Some reading groups uh, open with a meal or snack. And giving some ideas of to spice that up can be very valuable, especially for period story. So if you have a novel and it's set in some time that is not 21st century um, civilization, Western civilization. Uh, so if it's set in you know some other civilization, some other culture somewhere else, and they have meals from that culture, oh my goodness, put some recipes for those meals. If you if your story takes place in a fantasy world and people are eating fantasy food, you know, have a recipe for that. If it's Star Wars and they're drinking blue milk, have a recipe so everyone can be drinking blue milk at your meeting. You know, something that's fun. And and I have heard incredible stories of people who write like period romances. Uh, they'll have a romantic story and they'll have recipes for the various dishes served, you know, because the food that we eat is very different than it was 200 years ago. And some of those old recipes if you as the author are willing to convert from, you know, whatever measurements they were doing back then to something a little more modern, you may find that people get very excited uh, to prepare ahead of time uh, some, you know, period meal. Uh, you know, some of them may be hard, right? I don't know where you'd find partridges to put in your partridge pie, but other ones may be uh, quite easy. And this is, again, something fun where you do the work as the author to make it easy on the organizer. The final thing that you might put in your leader's guide is challenges or action steps that the leader can suggest to the group after the book is finished. At the last meeting for that book, and this is, works especially well for nonfiction books, you give some suggestions that the leader can challenge the people who came with. I have a friend com- coming out with a book called The Art of Hard Conversations, and maybe the challenge is, all right, you're going to go have a hard conversation with two people between now and the next time we meet or for nonfiction or or sorry for novels. A lot of times you'll have a character that has changed radically. Maybe they faced a fear that they never want to face, wanted to face before. So the challenge is what is the fear you're going to face between now and the time we meet again? And of course, not everybody is going to participate in this, but maybe one or two do. And the stories that come out of that can be really uh, compelling and inspiring for the rest of the group. 
And again, the organizer is not likely going to do what you suggest as you suggest it. This is a starting point that will cause them to tweak what you're offering for their group. And maybe they don't use your challenges, but maybe they come up with their own challenges. And, and a good small group leader is wanting to adapt whatever the activity is for their small group. But uh, if you don't put any challenges, they won't either, likely, because they won't. maybe they won't think of it. Okay, so that's the small group leader's guide. And you could stop there, but for bonus points, you could actually participate in some of these small groups yourself, these reading groups yourself. And Jim, I know that you do this. So what are some tips for uh, participating? I'm assuming you're not flying all over the country to meet with five readers. <laughs> nay, nay, not, not, not flying, but Skyping. Right. So you can offer to Skype in or even just conference call. And I've done both where, where, where I've Skyped in and I can see the people and I'm up on the screen and they can see me or simply on a, on a conference call where I'm just on my phone and I'm on speakerphone and I'm interacting with people that way. That, my gosh, makes it personal. And you have to realize how many groups will go, are you kidding me? The, the author is going to be on Skype. Really? Really? He's really going to be there. She's really going to be there talking to us. Yes. So it makes a big impact. Another thing you can do is put together a one sheet for your book with trivia and, or Easter eggs. By that, I mean, you would take your book and I do this for all of my books and I write all the little inside jokes and all the little Easter eggs that are in the book. And then I would provide that to the leader of the group so that she or he can bring those things out. That's participating. That's just a touch that takes it uh, up a notch. Another thing you can do is share photos that inspired your book or real life locations. For example, I wrote this series called the Wellspring series. It's three books. It starts with a novel called Soulsgate. Well, in the book, they go to this a place called Wellspring in the mountains of Colorado. So it's a real place. So I, of course, took photos of that when I was there. And that's something I can share with book clubs and go, this is the actual place that inspired it. My first novel, Rooms, was set in Cannon Beach. And some people know this, some people don't. But the house on the cover of the book is a real house. And the, when I describe it in the book, if you follow the directions in the book, you will actually go onto the beach and you will be able to see the house that's on the cover of the book. That's the kind of fun things that you can include. And and uh, it, it just it, it just means so much to readers where they feel like you're engaged, giving them extra inside information, behind the scenes look at the novel. Another thing you can do is cut a short video specific to that group. I love the idea of having some videos on your website that are generic, that fits for everybody. But if you just cut a short video specific to that group, maybe you name the leader of the group, maybe the leader has ahead of time said, hey, here are the names of the people in the group. And you can cut a short video where you're mentioning everybody by name, thanking them for uh, participating, thanking them for reading their your book. Wow, makes a huge impact. Um, another thing you can do is get questions from the leader of the club ahead of time. If you're going, wow, I don't feel that comfortable Skyping in. I don't feel that comfortable being on a conference call. Ask the leader, hey, send some questions about the book, but about anything about me being an author or my other stories, I'll cut a short video and I'll answer those questions. I've done this a number of times because there's a book club in Australia that that has done a number of my books and it's hard to coordinate times because of the the time difference them being so many hours ahead of us and so what i've done is i've gotten questions ahead of time and then i've just made a video answering those questions and the people in the club 
have loved it. And then the final thing you can do is you can offer a freebie to the book club for signing up for your newsletter. You'd be surprised how many people in that book club will go, wow, I love this author, but they're not necessarily going to make the step to sign up for your newsletter. We have to be intentional and proactive about that. So if you say, hey, if you like the book, I'd love to have you be part of my newsletter. Here's something I'll offer you if you sign up. That's really good. And the technology to do this has gotten so much easier in the last few years. In the olden days, you had to have a laptop connected to a projector and maybe get Skype to work. Now you can do it all with smartphones and iPads. If you have if you have an iPhone and the organizer has an iPhone, you can FaceTime with each other and they can just screen share uh, their phone onto the TV. And you don't even need a computer to do this. Uh, so it's, it's gotten really easy. And I should mention... That my book table, the WordPress plugin that my team developed, has a reading club resources section, a whole section, so that on the book page where people buy your book, down below where the buy buttons are, there's a reading club resources where you can put everything we're talking about all in one spot. And if you do this for your books, you may be shocked how many more people. Uh, feature your book in their next reading club. So real quick, there's one final thing to do. It's everyone's favorite element, and that is follow-up. Jim? (laughs) You're being sarcastic, Thomas. (laughs) It does take a little bit extra time to follow up. You feel like I did all this stuff. I don't necessarily want to follow up, but you should. This is the icing on the cake. And so you're going to send a thank you note to the organizer a few days later. And if you can get the address, don't send an email. When we say send a note. If you can get her address or his address, send a physical note. Yes, it'll cost you what, 45 cents these days. It's worth it. The next thing you can do is ask the organizer if they know of any other book clubs in the area that might be interested in reading one of your books. Some book club leaders are very connected with each other. And if you've done a great job, you're asking for a referral, they will give it to you. They will go, oh my gosh, yes, Sally would love to do your book. I know you do a great job for her, just like you did for me. So ask for those referrals. Um, And then finally, ask for a photo of the group holding your book, and then you can post it on social media. This has happened to me a number of times where people say, okay, here's the club with the with with your book. And then you take that, post that on social media. I love to visit book clubs. That will get another round of book clubs going for you. And if you can tag the leader, if they, you know them from Facebook, tag the leader. And oftentimes that person will share the, share the photo uh, on her Facebook page, and that gives you even more mileage from it. The power of social media is not you talking about yourself on social media. It's other people talking about you on social media. Yeah. This is so important. And it's something I should probably put in every episode because a lot of authors think that it's them talking about themselves on social media and that's somehow going to lead to great book sales. No, it's being remarkable. It's doing remarkable things. It's giving other people things to remark about. And one of the favorite things people like to remark about is themselves. And them having a photo of themselves holding your book is something suddenly that they can post to social media. So this is very powerful. And we really encourage you to do this. This is not a lot of work. Uh, If you think about all the work you put in to write your book, creating a leader's guide and some discussion questions 
is, let's say it's a day's worth of work and you worked maybe 100 days, maybe 200 days on your book, maybe you know hundreds and hundreds of days, adding one more day's worth of work is really going to pay off. This is not hard to do and it's not expensive. Nothing that we talked about costs a lot of money. When the most expensive thing in the strategy is mailing a thank you note to somebody, it's a cheap <laughs> strategy. Sure, there's gonna be some labor here, but you can create a PDF in Google Docs for free. You don't have to have fancy software. You can do it in Microsoft Word for free. So there's no reason not to do this. And most of this stuff is done once. You do it once for each book. You do it once. Most of it, some of it you're going to be active in, but most of it you do it just once and it's done. Exactly. So the sponsor of today's episode is the five-year plan to become a best-selling author. Uh, This is the plan that Jim and I created to take you step-by-step through the first five years of your career. It's guaranteed to if you follow the plan, you'll be a best-selling author or your money back. We have decided that the new price is going to be $199. So it's $199 for this five-year course, but it has not gone up yet. So you can still get it for $99 through the end of the year. At some point in January, we're going to raise the price. And if $99 is still too much, if you're a patron of the Novel Marketing Podcast, which you can find out more about Novel Marketing com you save an additional 50%. So patrons right now get the cheapest access to this course there may ever be. So as the price goes up, even patrons in the future will still save 50%, but their 50% will bring the 199 down to 99. So uh, you basically get the patrons price right now. Um, so we really encourage you to check out that five-year plan. We've had incredible feedback from the people who've gone through it and are going through it. And you can find out more at novelmarketing.com forward slash courses. So Thomas, as we record this, tomorrow is Thanksgiving. So uh, don't. Uh, I'm not going to ask you, what are you going to do for Thanksgiving? I'm going to ask you, so Thomas, what did you do for Thanksgiving? So our plan is to go hang out with a family. The baby's still too young. Our doctor specifically told us not to go to Thanksgiving, uh, but we're going to disregard uh, her instructions and go to Thanksgiving, but we're not going to let anyone hold the baby, <laughs> which is, imagine going to go over great with all of our family members who are all in love <laughs> with the baby but uh, it being flu season we're not um, uh, we're being a little careful so margaret's gonna wear the baby she's got the special sling uh, so she's gonna keep the baby close and out of the hands of all of the other family members and we're looking forward to some great food and uh, maybe a little bit of football and some good fellowship so i'm excited how about you what are your plans nice uh very 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 low-key last year was the allison and taylor uh come our direction and spend Thanksgiving this year. They're going to be with Allison's uh, mom and dad and Micah, our other son is on the other side um, with some friends. So we're going to be just Darcy and I, which we are really looking forward to because our plan is to have a nice little Thanksgiving dinner and start on something we've been wanting to do all year. And that's uh, the extended versions of Lord of the Rings. We're going to dive into those. Oh, nice. Yes. Very fun. I may be coming over to your place. That's even more fun than football, <laughs> so especially this year. All right. Well, uh, you've been listening to James L. Rubart and Thomas Umstadt Jr. on the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you innovative ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between. Thanks so much for listening.